Welcome to the Frame Your Way Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Jefferson. I'm a wife, mama to two, and full-time photographer and business coach. I created this podcast with the aspiring photographer in mind to bring you inspiring stories, strategies to help you go from zero to multiple figures, and tips and tricks to help you get one step closer to work-life harmony. Are you ready to frame your way to your dream career? Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Emma. I am so excited to dive into today's topic. It is definitely one that has been on my brain, and it's one that I've been really trying to explore and have my questions answered. So I'm so thankful that you're here. Will you please introduce yourself to my listeners? Thanks for having me, Brooke. I really appreciate you inviting me. Um, It sounds like your podcast is a lot of fun. So I am a biographer. Um, That's sort of a very broad term. So specifically, I help people to write their own stories and I help people to record their family stories. Most of what I do is advocacy and mini courses and baby steps because it's very hard to get started. And I come from a marketing and ghostwriting background which means that I have this sort of super skill at writing bios, business bios, which are very difficult to write. And I think you were talking about how you just have like this, this blinking cursor that's, you know, it's really scary, right? Um, So the shorter something is to write, the harder it is. And the more important that it is to write, the harder it is. And I think probably the only thing shorter and more important to your business than a bio is your tagline. So it's, it's extremely hard. And I've, I've met lots of professional writers who dread submitting their bios and professional speakers who dread submitting bios because it's just extremely hard. Yes, for sure. And before we hit record, Emma and I were chatting for a little bit and I told her that I have this blinking cursor syndrome where I just don't know what to say. I had my website redone this week and she was like, am I redoing your about me page? And I'm like, I don't even want to talk about that page. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to put on that page. So let's just put it on the back burner, right? Like I just wanted to ignore it. So one thing I'm really, really excited to dive into because I know we, almost everybody listening has a website. If not, they're in the process of having a website and we've heard how important it is to have an about me page. I've also heard it's one of the most popular pages on a website that people click. Mm -hmm. And that is where our, you know, where our bios are essentially going. It's the first place I thought of. So I kind of want to dive into what makes a good about me page and how can we overcome this blinking cursor syndrome? Well, so there's two things that I see um, that people fail to do in their bio. Um, And one of them is that people tend to forget that they're a person, that people want to do business with people. They don't want to do business with a business. They want to do business with a person. So you need to make sure that even though you're talking about your skills, who you are as a person needs to come through and it needs to come through strong because people want to do business with you as a person. And especially in photography, it's such a personal thing. People are allowing you to capture their family. They're allowing you into their environment. And so they need to feel comfortable with you just from reading your bio. So there's a lot of pressure there. Um, The other thing that people tend to do is they talk about what everyone in their profession does. 
So they'll say, um, hi, I'm Brooke and I'm a photographer. I take pictures of families. <laughs> Congratulations. You just told us what all photographers did. And I'm pretty sure that if they're looking for a photographer, they already know what a photographer does. So um, instead of sort of talking about what all photographers do, to really, really zone in on what it is that you do better than other photographers in your, in your field and even in your niche. So those are two of the things that I keep in mind when I'm writing bios is that it needs to be about you as a person, even though you're talking about your experience and you need to really talk about you like, don't even waste time talking about the basics of what you do. Cause assume that people already know that talk about how you do it differently than other people and what makes you better at it than other people. Oh, that's so good. And it also has my mind racing. And, and also, <laughs> for those of us who aren't necessarily going to own what we're best at, it's probably going to take a little bit of courage and confidence for us to uh -huh. boldly state, hey, this is why you should hire me. So can you just give me an off-the-wall example? You can totally make it up, but what would be something compelling if you were looking for a family photographer? What's something that they could say that would draw you to want to hire them? Okay, well, one of the things that I would say is um, if you were able to pick colors that my family would look good in, um, if you were able to say what it is that we should wear, because... A lot of times photographers, they just come in and they take pictures and I'm, I'm going, I don't even know like what we should be wearing. I don't know what we look good in. We've tried coordinating our clothes with family photos in the past and sometimes it comes out really good and sometimes we totally didn't realize that one of the cousins was the only one wearing red, even though red was one of the three colors, you know? And so um, having a photographer send us some outfit ideas, or even if they had costumes to rent for my kids, if they say, Hey, for an extra 10 bucks, I have a Peter Pan and Tinkerbell costume that'll fit your kids. Um, so helping us to dress because we're not fancy people. We're just not, I just don't know. What, that's probably the reason why we don't get family photos taken is because most of the people I know who get family photos taken the wife is like extremely good at curling her hair and doing her eye eyebrows. And the husband has some sense of vanity where he at least like grooms his beard, you know, um, those are the families that I see taking family photos and we don't because we just straight up do not have style. <laughs> we are not <laughs> like photogenic people. So something like that, if you were to say, um, I'm a family lifestyle photographer and you know, a former personal stylist. And I really like helping people to not have to do their own styling. Um, if you were to say, um, I'm really good at uh, working with babies or um, families that only have fur babies, for example, if you say, you know, if you only have, if you only have your fur babies, I'm really, really great at taking pictures of families whose pets are dogs and cats. Um, these are the kind of things that people don't need when you say that you 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 just skip over the whole i am a photographer business and go straight to i am so good at taking pictures of you and your pets so two things that i am hearing and i'm just going to reflect them back to you number one 
your example targeted a pain point you have that I could solve, which is so funny because in my business, I do, I do dress my clients because that is mom's number one concern is she is so stressed out. She doesn't want to plan people's outfits. She feels like she needs to go spend a thousand dollars on new wardrobe. And then it takes all the fun out of the experience. That's the first thing I'm hearing. And the second thing I'm hearing is, how about we skip over the part that we have a camera in our hand and talk about how we're actually a good people person? How are we going to make that connection? Because I think they need to know that you're going to be able to show up and give them an experience, not just photos. And that's like the number one complaint I've heard in the last couple of years is, mm. well, she took our pictures and it was okay, but she just wasn't very personable or she wasn't very patient or, I mean, the number mm. one compliment that I do get, and I'm thinking maybe I ought to add this is, and I'm telling you, every client with young children tells me this, you are so patient. Thank you for being so good with my kids. And so I think maybe I should add that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so important. We just had a family photo shoot. Um, my whole family, like extended family went for a vacation together and we have five cousins under the age of four at the time so lots of uh, you know from almost four to three couple of them that are two and then one who was one and it was it was quite a circus <laughs> let me tell you and the photographer was decent. She was able to pick out which kids were about to lose it. And she would say, that one right there, whoever his parents are, need to pick him up and we're going to take his picture right now. Because she had this like intuition of who was going to last the longest. And she saved the cousins that were more patient, that were more rested, you know, and that was super helpful. It was. Okay. Well, that's really, really helpful because and you know, maybe, and this is just an off the wall exercise. I'm just going to give my listeners, maybe if my, if you guys want to come pop into the Facebook group and just be accountability partners and help each other, write your bios, like go read your testimonials. What are people saying? Are they just saying, and here's also something that, um, you know, spoiler alert, upcoming podcast episode, we're going to be talking about testimonials and reviews because if people are just saying the generic oh, she was so great at taking my photos, we'll use her again. That's not telling people how they felt, how you were unique, all that good stuff. So spoiler alert there, but let's, you know, that was a squirrel. Let's bring it back. <laughs> One question that I really want to ask about About Me pages before we kind of move on here. Can you give us maybe an outline or just like three key points, just make sure that these are three things that can be found on your about me page or specifically the way we're writing. Is there a, um, first person, third person, like what should that be? Oh, sure. Sure. So let me just hit on some of, some of the big ones. First of all, you write in third person always. Brooke is such and such. She lives here. Um, always, because that's just, it, if somebody else is pointing to your bio, they're going to forget who's talking. So it's always in the third person. Um, you should call out your ideal client in less than five words. So my ideal client is families with young kids. My ideal client is families uh, who are empty nesters and they just want to take pictures with their pets. 
Um, because if you just say, I take pictures of people, no one reads people and goes, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> She's talking about me. I'm a people. So it should be something that people either know that's me or that's someone I know. Um, but it shouldn't be so encompassing. You should pull out like, I take pictures of um, homeschool groups, of uh, church events, of, the, it should be less than five words. It should be broad enough that someone at least knows someone in that category, um, but not so small that you're, you're gonna narrow yourself a little bit. And I mean, honestly, tweaking your bio when you send it to different places is something that you should be in the habit of doing. And once you have a solid bio, you're just making a couple of tweaks. You're not rewriting it. Um, you should, you should brag. Being in the third person helps with the bragging. You say, um, you know, Brooke has a podcast that, uh, made it to the top 10 photography podcast in iTunes last year. You know, when you're saying Brooke has this podcast, people feel like someone else is bragging about you, but that's, you put your braggables in there. Definitely. Um, you can put the number of families that you've helped. That's going to impress people. If you've won any awards or anything like that. Those are such valuable tips. I mean, so good. I love how specific and tangible they are. Now, one other question that kind of popped up while you were saying all of this was, I know every page on our website from the last episode has to have a call to action. It has to keep bringing our lead through the journey to become a customer. So what are some good call to actions to put on our about me page at the end of our bio? Do you have any insight into that? Yeah. One, I mean, what's the thing that's going to sell you as a photographer is the photographs. So I would say see samples because booking a call is a little bit too much for people. Um, I think the first call to action for people should be see samples, you know, see my work. Cause I mean, people like looking at pretty pictures anyways. They're going to be like, Ooh, <laughs> pictures. I it's just like, even if I wasn't looking for a photographer, I'd go, Ooh, I want to see what she's done. So some of your favorite, favorite pictures is what's going to sell you. And then after they've seen the things that, um, after they've seen your favorites, then they can have the call to action to book a call. I absolutely agree with that. And I also am so glad that you didn't say book a call because it really goes to show they're getting to know you. Now they're going to go look at your work. It's not that, let me look at your work first and then see if I like you as a person. Because like you said in the beginning, people aren't doing business with the business. They're doing it for the people. And I'm going to be 100% honest, especially because a lot of us do business locally to us. And we are a local business, like 90% of the people listening to this podcast are not into destination or traveling photography. And I just want to give a tangible example. If you have a bad experience at a business with a particular person, you're not going back, am I correct? And it's because of that person. So for as long as that person that you have a problem with works at a local business, I bet you money, unless you absolutely have to you're not walking into that establishment. And that is the same thing with us, right? We've got to get people yeah. hooked on us. And if they're not hooked on us, they're not doing business with us. So does that scare you if like your kid is in a class and another kid in the class's family wants you to take their family pictures and you're like, ah, 
<laughs> like if this doesn't go well, we have to see each other throughout the next however many years our kids are in a class together. Like, does that make you squeamish? Um, I mean, I honestly, I don't think so because, well, first of all, to be honest, I live in a community that literally has two photographers. However, I don't serve my immediate community usually. Most of my clients uh, are coming from um, outside of my parameter, about 30 miles on average, all the way around. Okay. And so, but I will say, I mean, I do come into contact with this all the time. My best friend, her aunt's a photographer. So there's been awkward situations before, but that, I mean, we're just really good in the photography community. Like, it's okay to take a turn to exchange things to really yeah. just give everyone a chance and so I'm thankful that I don't have that issue but I'm sure you spoke to someone and I would just say you're kind of going as hard as this is I would try to keep it separate you know like yeah just the experience itself and um, I mean, just like any friendship or relationship, you're going to go through highs and lows. You might have to go through an awkward year, but you'll get over it. And I, I mean, I've certainly had to do this in another sense. So that, that is an interesting question for sure. Um, one thing that I told you I also wanted to dive into just because you're really good at explaining it, um, is storytelling. But before we get there, there was one more question I want to ask you where else can we put a bio besides an about me page? Because I know there's other uh, ways to use a bio and we should be using our bios frequently. So can you tell us where else we can use it? Absolutely. Um, so you kind of, when you ask this question, you mentioned, should we memorize our bio? Um, you should have a one sentence bio that can be spoken. And that's typically going to be, I, um, I take pictures of families in an everyday setting. Uh, I'm a photographer. I take pictures of people on the first day of school or something like that. So you're going to say who you are and you're going to, you're going to really quickly touch on your ideal client and the, the best, the, the thing that you're best at, the kind of photography that you're best at. Um, so that's not going to be your whole bio. It's just a one sentence bio that you can sort of take from that. But, oh my goodness, if you're on social media, I'm going to tell you one of the hidden places that's great to hide your bio where people are going to accidentally find it. So you have your about section, but also you have that cover image. And if you put your cover image, if you have uh, like a really great cover image that's a picture that you've taken, people are gonna click on it because they wanna see it bigger. And you're gonna stash that bio in your description with a link to your website. This that's is something that I learned that's, it's so stupid simple <laughs> that I should have known it was there before, but I didn't and someone showed me and it's just a brilliant place to put your bio because People are going to want to see your cover images and any of your, um, you know, you have the featured images on the sidebar in Facebook. Yeah. So putting it there, putting it, um, you can make that just one picture instead of all of the pictures. Um, anywhere that you have a picture of yours on social media that people are going to click on to see it bigger, your bio should be there. 
I love that hack. That's so easy. That's something that we can all go do right after this. Um, I know for sure I will. Now I have heard something similar and that was just back when I was in the network marketing industry. They would always say, instead of putting it there in your about section and listing the company, you should put it on your profile image. So when people click on it, they'll see that little hidden description over there. Um, and so I've done something similar, but I've never thought about actually putting a bio. It was always like, come join my Facebook group. Here's the link, all these secret ways to put it in there. Um, okay. So I alluded that to this prior before I asked you the last question <laughs> and <laughs> I, I really want to dive into this whole idea of storytelling because in our industry, we are told time and time again, that storytelling is so important but I think we struggle with two different things. We're supposed to tell stories about ourselves and we're supposed to tell stories about the clients that we've worked with. I feel like this might be a little easier for wedding photographers who have time to get to know their bride and grooms and really capture their love story over eight hours or however long that they're there for their wedding day. Mm -hmm. You can tell a lot of intimate details. But for those of us that are like portrait photographers that still want to tell meaningful stories, I'm only with my clients one to two hours. And most of that time, you know, we're using it to connect with each other and, you know, some some light posing and direction and that kind of thing. And so I'm just curious, what is storytelling to you? And also, how can we learn to storytell for ourselves and our clients with a limited amount of time? Well, you should let the clients decide which stories are important, first of all. Um, because if you come at them and say, I want a story about how you bought this home, that might not be important to them. So the way that I describe it to my biography clients is this. So I teach, I teach memoir writing mostly. And the difference between memoir and biography is that biography is all the things that happened in your life. Memoir is all the things that happened in your life that changed you and made you who you are. Very, very few stories. Um, it, the process that I use uses a term called branching points. So it's a point in your life where everything was going to go left or it was going to go right. And there was no staying in the middle and your life just branched off um, into the multiverse, if you will. I just read Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, if anyone else is a sci-fi fan. Um, and so asking leading questions and have no idea, uh, like have no expectations of where your client is going to take the conversation. You're just trying to give them the reins. You're not trying to tell them where to go with it. You're just trying to hand them the reins because people have stories. They have moments of their life that are basically bookmarked in their brain. And we do this in times of trauma. We do this in, in times of revelation where you're something about our soul says, this is important. And it bookmarks that moment in time. And that's how, when you, when you remember those moments where you can close your eyes and you're basically back there, you can see it, you can smell it. You remember, you feel 10 years old again, whenever it was that it happened, that is like this memory bookmark. And it exists because something happened that was very important right then. And so you're just giving your clients a few questions that's going to try to give them the reins so that they can steer towards one of those bookmarks. So I'll give you an example. Um, when we had that giant family photo session, um, I overheard my dad telling the photographer the story of when my son was born because that was a big deal. 
okay, my son was over 11 pounds and he had all these complications and I had all these complications. And after that, he had a bunch of health issues. And so just the fact that she was there listening and making small comments about, hey, what is it, um, you know, where do you guys live and how often do you get together and just prodding and leading a little bit. And she probably did not ask, how much did that boy over there weigh when he was born? You know, I'm, I didn't hear, but I'm assuming that was not the question that she asked. My dad volunteered that information because he went through a similar experience with my brother. My brother was 10 and a half pounds and it was an extremely traumatic experience for my parents because my mom had all these complications. My brother had all these complications. So when my son was born, they basically relived the trauma that they had been through 30 years previous. And so these stories will come up if you don't decide where the conversation is going to go in the first place. Awesome. What, what is an example of two great leading questions that aren't too generic, but also would give more than a one word response? Are there any off the top of your head that, that I could use? My number one favorite question is what is that like? So when people volunteer a question as something like, for example, if they are uh, an interracial family, okay? If, they, um, if like a friend of mine, she's Dutch, she's super, super Dutch, and her husband is from Kenya. And if, if this is something that is important to their identity, they're gonna volunteer some kind of factoid to you. Like, I'm Dutch and my husband's Kenyan. And all you have to reply with is, what is that like? And just make it not, like not judgmental or anything. Just say, what is that like? And this was something that occurred to me like when I was interviewing people for a roommate position, I have a roommate position, roommate, I needed a roommate. And I was interviewing people and um, a guy told me that he was gay. And I, I just asked him, what is that like? And for an hour, he told me things he hadn't even told his family. Just because I had asked, what is that like? In a, in a compassionate and genuine way. So when people offer these things, like um, uh, if like maybe they're, they're a little bit older and they're just now starting a family and they say, we had to go through infertility treatment or through fertility treatments, what is that like? You know, just saying when they offer that, what is that like? That I promise you is like the number one most conversation opening, they are gonna run with it and tell you the things that are important to them. That is so powerful, and I'm going to start practicing and gathering information, even with non-clients. Just really, the next time I have a conversation that could turn into an emotional, deep conversation, I'm going to have to test this question out because I can see how just one basic sentence could ultimately turn into such an emotion evoking story. And I think that's so important. And so just to kind of shift that a little bit into ourselves, I know going back to, we're not supposed to tell stories about everything, but there's main points of our life that we could relate back so people could get to know us as a person more. You know, are there any tips when I go to schedule an Instagram post and I want to give a little bit more information into that particular time of my life? Do you have any tips on how I can 
um, not stare at a blinking cursor? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my number one tip for blinking cursor syndrome, I kid you not, is to start typing lyrics to your favorite songs because <laughs> um, it just sort of breaks through that, that brick wall. Um, I, I even get blinking cursor syndrome, okay? So it really is a real thing. And you just have to remember that it's time to create. It's not time to create the final product. You're going to create the final product from the mess that you make. It's kind of like um, I came from an area where lots of snow falls. And uh, if, you, if the snow fell and you went out and you made a snowman and then the snow kept started falling again, your snowman was going to disappear. And you can't like make a snowman while it's still snowing because it just gets covered in snow. And so that was, that's sort of how I remember it is that like you have to let all the snow fall first and then you can form it into a snowman you can't do both at the same time. So remembering, um, maybe just opening a document someplace else that's not in Instagram and start typing and then you're gonna pull out one or two cents. Once you're, it's gonna come, okay? The muse respects you when you show up to work. It eventually shows up too. And you can pretty much feel it. You can pretty much see it. There's the sentence where the muse showed up and that's what I wanna share with people. And it's gonna be maybe a thousand words in but it's going to show up, I promise you. So keeping a practice, and this is one of the things that I advocate for so much, having a practice of writing, um, even if there's no purpose, even if you don't have a place to put a story yet, being in the habit of writing consistently is going to make you better. It's going to make you, uh, if you do want to just whip out an Instagram story real quick, you'll be able to do that faster and easier. So just writing even 100 words a day or 200 words a day is going to help you crank out those stories. And then you've got a backlog for when the muse goes on vacation. Does that make sense? Yes, this makes so much sense. And that is definitely going to help. I'm obsessed with Google Docs. So this is just one more doc I get to open and create. Um, Yay, Google Docs. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I am like super inspired. Like I may just go you know, start writing my about me or at least get started. But I know that you offer a very unique service and I want you to take a minute to tell us about it because I understand we're not all writers. We're going to get overwhelmed, confused, and maybe we just want to outsource this process. So please tell us about your service. Okay. So I have a manuscript service and where I take people's manuscripts and I edit them and I revise them and I help them self-publish them. An add-on to that service is a bio writing service. And I usually don't sell it a la carte, but Brooke, for you, for your listeners, I will open it up. That I will so make it an a la carte thing that you can buy by, by itself, all by itself. Um, so it's a bio writing service. Because I come from ghostwriting, because I am a professional writer, uh, because I do a lot of short form writing, I've just gotten really good at writing bios and that is such a hard thing. There's so many professional, like I said, professional writers that absolutely hate writing bios. They're so hard. Um, but with some practice, I have a nice little formula that I use that if someone fills out a five minute questionnaire and spends 15 minutes on the phone with me within 10 to 15 minutes, I can crank out a professional bio for them. And this is one of those things that people are so relieved to have because a bio is sort of like, it's sort of like your driver's license picture. Like you, you get it. You just, you just had to crank it out one day. And so you did it. And then every time you see it, you're like, Oh, it's so embarrassing. I need a better one. And, and 
you can have a better one. You can have a better one today. You can have a better one this week. You can put it on your, your goals. If you use passion planner or something like that, like make a better bio. Um, so it's, it's really, really quick. And it, I love doing these because it takes such a relief off of, off of people's minds. And also, um, this is something that I can write down the formula too. This is something that I've been considering having as a freebie. Do you think people would like having that formula as a freebie if they want to take a pass at doing it themselves? Heck yes. And I, first of all, I'm so honored that you would even give my listeners this a la carte option because I'm over here like, yes, we're doing this. We're, we're <laughs> but that formula. Yeah. I, of course, you know me, I'm not going to ask for anything free, but, um, Yes, 100%. I think that some people would like to take a whack at it. And I bet uh-huh. you, just like me, I would take the freebie. I would think it's awesome. I'd use it for a while. Once I'm ready to invest, I would turn around and come to your a la carte service. So I think that would be yeah. a fantastic idea. Some people, I mean, like I know I've, I've bootstrapped a business together. I know that it's, that it's a lot to spend, you know, 80 or hundred dollars on a bio. It's for some people, that's nothing for some people. They're like, that's my entire budget for the month, you know? So if that's where people are at, then fine. And then someday down the road when they want it done professionally, when they want it like super, super clean, then the service is there. Oh, and some I, people take a look at the formula and they still have like blinking cursor syndrome with the formula and they go, obviously this is too much for me. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. Well, again, I am so thrilled. I hope my listeners are excited as me because I don't think they realize like how awesome of an offer that is um, for either one, whether they get the freebie or whether they, um, you know, hire you to crank out what you do best, which is the bio. So the last thing that I want you to do before we let you go is let us know how we can connect with you and where we can find you online. Well, my, my unofficial slash official title is the life storian. Um, I call myself a life historian because everyone in my field calls themselves a personal historian and that just confuses people. So I'm the life historian. Anywhere you look for life story and you're going to find me. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, YouTube. I've interviewed someone who helps people translate their DNA results into tracking down lost family members. I've interviewed someone on how to sort and scan your family photos. Um, I do regular freebies and fun stuff. Like for Christmas, I've got a wonderful freebie that I'm super excited about. That's um, how to convince your parents and your grandparents to give your kids their stories and not more toys. Because I don't know about anyone else, but we're drowning in toys over here. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old and every year we have like an entire room full of toys gifted to us. And I'm like, stop. I just want to know who's in the family pictures. I just want the family recipes. I just want your stories. Please stop giving my kids more toys. So, um, I have life story Academy, which is so life story biographies is my business page. Life story Academy is my private group where people learn how to write their own stories and record their family stories. I'm all over the place, girlfriend. Like, and I'm not on Pinterest yet, but my virtual assistant's working on it. She was like, we got to get you on Pinterest. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how to tell. Like, all I know is how to use Pinterest. I don't know how to be a Pinterester. So that's her thing. We're getting on Pinterest soon. 
I love it. Well, guys, you have a limitless amount of options to connect with Emma. I hope you do so. I'm going to link up her freebie and that bio service for you guys in the description. So please be sure to check that out. And thank you so much for your time and expertise. It was so fun having you on the show. Thank you for having me, Brooke.